calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. Hey, y'all, and I'm JJ. Hey, y'all, and I'm Kat. JJ, that's not Kat. That's she, you. She does that to me every time I can't make it to a recording. So had to had to throw that in there. You you really got her, too. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know her voice pretty well, so. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so in this episode, Kat is not on with us, but she will be back soon. We can promise that. However, we do have an awesome guest. A fan reached out to us from Australia. Sarah, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And what time is it where you are, Sarah? I'm going to ask the old American, like, whoa, time zones are different question. Yeah, well, after a bit of confusion when um, you were telling me your times and I finally figured it out. So <laughs> it's uh, it's 9.35 in the morning here. Okay. Well, oh, it's, wow. It's, You're uh, almost almost a full half day um, behind us or ahead of us. I guess ahead, ahead of us. Ahead, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, so it is it is the 23rd of June where you are. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Whoa, that's so weird and cool it's like you time traveled but it's still the same day and then for our <laughs> listeners it's like they time travel too because this isn't coming out on the 23rd or the 22nd. <laughs> so sarah you have listened to the podcast before how did you kind of find our podcast um just randomly i was looking for i guess like spooky kind of podcast to listen to and then i came across yours and i just thought i'll listen to an episode and kind of gauge whether it's up my alley or not and then I was pretty much hooked and uh, went back and pretty much listened to every single episode wow well thank you so much have you heard and feel free to say no uh, but have you listened to the Scrooge episodes the Christmas episodes 
I don't think I listened to that one. Okay. That's, that's a good one to, to miss. It is not. It's so good. It's a, it's an improvised episode we do every Christmas where JJ plays Scrooge. I would just highly recommend it if you're looking for something off the beaten path of uh, your normal Real Hauntings episode. It is, it is not spooky. It is, I apologize to all of our normal fans who are like, I'm here for scary ghost stories. And then they end up listening to me pretend to be some weird version of Scrooge but well as a fan of JJ's I think it's excellent I highly recommend it all right well we're excited to have you on we always love getting people on from other countries that's um, a really fun thing for us I think JJ I, I think you probably feel the same way we were really surprised when we started this podcast and started to see numbers grow in Australia and the UK and Canada and really kind of all over the place do you feel like in Australia people are more likely to believe in the supernatural than say in the states um I don't know I can only really talk from my own experience but um I know that there you know we've got quite a few places in Australia that claim to be extremely haunted and I know that there is quite a big following of people that are into the, the supernatural so I don't know whether it is as big as it is in the states but I know that it's definitely you know something that people are into over here when I think about it it's like yes people are into it in the U.S. but it's almost like in a backhanded way I mean like we're skeptics and we want to believe and we have a lot of fun with the medium but for example, like the the home I grew up in, if I brought up ghosts, they would treat me like I was crazy. You know, like what's the attitude towards the supernatural in Australia? Are people like willing to talk about it and kind of experience it? Or is it just like, ah, that's that's hogwash? And I think it's kind of a bit of both. Like um, in my family, it was something that, um, you know, was open for conversation. Um, I know that in quite a few of my friends' families, it's something that's often brought up at, you know, over a few drinks or, you know, when we're in a group setting. But I wouldn't say it's something that, you know, is completely disregarded. I think people are always kind of open, like people are unsure because of the unknown. Yeah, for sure. JJ, what was your household like? I know you grew up in a fairly religious household, right? No, not at all. Oh, you just went. <laughs> okay. Your household wasn't religious, but you became very religious. I was like the churchiest person in my house. Oh, time. okay. All and right. now I'm an atheist, so it didn't work out for me. But my <laughs> my house was like, I don't know. It was, it was, we never talked about ghosts. I think it was just kind of assumed that none of us believed in ghosts. I don't know. It, it's, for me, it feels like in the U.S., it's a very regional thing, like, when I so I grew up in Kansas and I just think being around like a bunch of like like very like practical like salt of the earth kind of farm people it's like they don't have time for ghosts right but then like you go to the south and everyone and their cousin has like some kind of weird ghost story and like, look at you weird if you don't believe in ghosts. That's my experience. I know you grew up in the South, so maybe you disagree with that. Um, but I was shocked when I moved here about uh, like how many people believed in ghosts. Yeah, I would say it. Uh, there are certainly a lot of people that claim to have experiences in the South, but th there was like this dichotomy of very religious people who would kind of poo-poo the idea of ghosts because they felt like, maybe in some way related to the devil or in some way it threatened the religious beliefs. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know, but definitely 
it's pretty prominent in the South. I mean, we found that on our podcast when we started. I think that's how we had such a easy time booking it in the beginning because everybody we knew seemed to have a ghost story. Right, because we not only live in the South, but we also know a bunch of theater people. And of course, theater people all have ghost stories because every theater in the world is apparently haunted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Sarah, um, as you know, we like to kind of find out where our guests fall in the believometer. You know, if they believe in ghosts, they don't believe in ghosts. Zero meaning ghosts aren't real at all. And 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? Um, that's kind of a hard one. I feel like my number kind of changes as I've experienced things. And I think that I'm kind of like, I definitely believe that there's something out there, but I think I'm probably maybe around an eight, like a leveled eight could be more depending, you know, kind of what happens, but I'm always questioning. And have you always been in that kind of range of eight or was there a specific instance that pushed you over the threshold into like, okay, ghosts might be real. Um, I think when I've had some of the experiences that I've had, I've definitely been like, I'm a hard 10, I'm 11, 12. It's definitely there. And then, you know, later when you've gone back and thought about it, I've thought, yeah, maybe I'm, you know, maybe that wasn't quite how I saw it. But then I think I've always kind of sat about an eight. I, I do believe I've had too many experiences for things not to be not as they seem. Yeah, I think that's the way it works for a lot of us. I mean, I know with the experiences I've had in the moment, they were absolutely real. But as more time passes and the experiences become less frequent, I tend to just go, there must be some kind of reasonable explanation for that. And JJ, I'm curious, you know, it was, gosh, maybe five months ago when you and Kat heard that noise in the room. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. And I and, feel like I totally relate to what you just said. Like that night, I was like, like 80%, there's a ghost. There's like a real ghost in here. Um, and now that it's it's been a while and, you know, that was really, you know, I mean, we have all these like weird sounds that we pick up on, on our audio recording, but I can always like just stroke that off and be like, yeah, it was a weird audio thing. I think like um, kind of, I think like when you're in the midst of it, it's easy to think that you're like your imagination's maybe playing tricks on you. Yeah. Yeah. And, sure. and I think part of it too is just maybe for like mental health survival, since it's not happening over and over, like some of our guests come on and it's almost a daily thing for them. So of course they're a 10 on the scale. For those of us that have only had one, two, or three experiences. I think it's completely normal for our brains to just kind of be like, yeah, that's you're normal. That's not real. You know, there must have been a, a giant squirrel that made a lady whisper under the couch or, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> it's always that. <laughs> always the always. giant squirrel. Well, Sarah, why don't you walk us back and explain to us about your first supernatural experience? Okay. Well, I guess the first one for me. Um, that I wanted to talk about specifically with you guys um, was, I guess, a bit about my past history. So I served in the military for 12 years and uh, it's quite a common thing. Uh, I served in the Navy. It's quite a common thing with Navy ships that, you know, there's a lot of stories that go around and, um, you know, people always seem to think that ships are haunted. 
um, you know, because they're old or, you know, they might've come from another country or something like that. So there's a lot of tales that go on. So it's very easy to get suckered into, I guess, believing that, you know, when you're posted to a ship that there's something going on, that's definitely not going on. Um, but I was posted to a ship um, back in 2005 and 2006. And there was definitely a lot of um, scary occurrences that used to go on that were not just um, felt by myself, but by multiple other people as well. So um, that was pretty scary. Um, I guess to set the scene, uh, the ship that I was posted to back in 2004, it actually went over to the Persian Gulf and was in active service um, in the Middle East. And while the ship was over there, um, they were, I guess, kind of um, in company with some US ships and some, some other country ships. And there was a horrible accident resulting in one of the um, American ships, USS Firebolt, getting, um, I guess, suicide bombed. And um, sadly, that resulted in, you know, three people losing their life and multiple people um, gaining severe injuries. And my ship happened to be there and we did a lot of the damage control and we actually ended up, um, I guess, housing those fatalities and those seriously injured people on board our ship for quite a while until they could be airlifted um, to like medevac to a hospital. So the ship then came back to Australia and I posted on to the ship uh, the following year. And there was always just this really, really eerie feeling on board the ship. Um, it was just a really eerie feeling that you were not alone, um, just a really eerie feeling that you were often being followed. Um, and it was always mainly felt in one specific area, which was the area where we happened to be accommodated, like all the girls uh, where we were sleeping. And um, the place that I worked was the next level above. And I remember going to work and I would get up in the middle of the night and I would either be calling ahead, trying to get someone to turn the lights on to come down and get me so I wouldn't have to walk through there on my own, or I would just bolt so fast through this one specific area because the feeling was just so scary and um, I happened to mention it to you know someone on the ship that had been working on the ship when this whole accident um, over in the Gulf had taken place and I don't know whether it's true or whether she was you know maybe just kind of mentioning it to kind of add to the the fact that I was scared but the area that I was passing through she said that that was actually the area where they had um, housed the um the fatality, like the bodies until they were airlifted off the ship. So you knew all that going into the ship, right? It wasn't that you felt all this stuff happen and then somebody told you about it. Is that right? Um, no. So I, I posted onto the ship and I had no idea that any of this had happened. I was brand new to the Navy. Um, it was the first time I'd ever been posted to a ship. Um, I got on and I was completely fresh, um, you know, and excited to be there. And yeah, I just had this feeling I didn't really want to mention it to anyone because I felt really, I thought maybe you're just being silly, like maybe because it's a big scary ship and, you know, a lot of the time we're moving around inside in darkness, like maybe it's just your imagination. But when I started to mention it to other people, 
they started to mention the same thing. But then a few months um, ahead of that, of when I first posted on, um, they actually did a memorial for um, the USS Firebolt and what had taken place. And that became like a thing that happens every year on that ship. So that's how I then found out the story about what had actually taken place um, a couple of years beforehand. And did you ever hear like footsteps or see any creepy things that might have given to the boat being haunted? Yeah, so um, definitely footsteps. Um, I know that quite a number of girls in the opposite cabin to us um, would often say that they would think that they would hear people calling out their name or tapping on the side of their bed and they'd open their curtain and have a look and there'd be no one there. And so I didn't experience that, but that was a common um, discussion between the two girls' cabins. And I know that up in my area where I worked, um, there was a toilet and it was right over the other side of the like the space. And I remember that I would never go there because I went to use that bathroom one time and I thought that there was someone standing outside of the bathroom. I heard footsteps come up and stop. And I was like, oh, just be a minute, just finish up. And then when I came out, there was no one there. Wow. So this is a little off the beaten path, but we all know that toilets in Australia flush counterclockwise and our toilets flush yeah. clockwise. Does a boat from Australia's toilet flush counterclockwise, but when it moves out of Australia, does it flush clockwise or is it always counterclockwise? That's a good question. And I hate to... Uh... <laughs> to be the bearer of bad news, but they actually just flush straight down. Oh. It's like it's, it has like a suction. I just want our, our listeners to know that I was rolling yeah. my eyes very uh, vividly. So I just don't want to be implicated with Noah's toilet questions after this serious, serious story. Hey, look, you know, um, and, uh, toilet humor. Yeah, and I guess... Um, probably about two or three days ago, I sent a message out to one of my friends and um, we've been friends for probably 15 years now. And she was actually posted to that ship the same time as me. And um, I messaged Zoe and I said to her, like, I'm going on this podcast. This is basically like what I, one of the things that I wanted to talk about. And I was like, do you remember any weird things that happened on that ship when we were both there? Because I know that we've talked about it before, but I need to know that I'm not crazy that I haven't just imagined all of this. And anyway, she responded back and she said that it was definitely not me, um, that she remembers. So she worked in engineering and she told me that she remembers being on duty on her own and kind of transiting between the engine rooms and hearing footsteps behind her and she would lock doors behind her and then she'd be walking and she would hear them open and she'd turn around but the doors wouldn't be open. And uh, she also said that it was very common to have your handheld radio that you would talk to like the engine room, like the communications and to hear like whispering and people talking over it, even though no one was using it. Wow. Did the, what did the people in, um, what do you call the the head people in the Navy on a ship, the Colonel? Uh, like the um, command staff. Yeah. Did, did they acknowledge that the boat might be haunted or did they just not really talk about it? 
Um, I think it was something that was mainly talked about between the junior sailors and it was definitely something that was spoken about between all the females. I don't think that we really I spoke too much about it with a lot of the males, but I know it was it was definitely a big topic between the females. JJ, what do you think? Do you think, uh, I know Kat usually would, I feel like this is the point where Kat would bring up residual energy leftover and that kind of stuff. What, what are your thoughts on the um, the ghost ship? I don't know. I mean, that's super spooky. Uh, obviously, I have not, you know, for, I'm from a landlocked state in the US. I've not spent a lot of time on uh, ships, especially compared to someone in the Navy. So, but I would, I would think like, you probably hear a lot of strange noises out at sea, or maybe you hear very few uh, noises out at sea. I don't know. The ship makes a lot of noise. Like it's very, like it's, the ship does make a lot of noise, but you can definitely specify between what is, I guess, like mechanical or like the normal ship creaking or stuff like that to what is made by potentially like another person, if that makes sense. So the noises you were hearing, you were like pretty confident that like that was not just a mechanical noise. No, not at all. Yeah. And Sarah, did your ship uh, or that ship, did you all see combat too? Or was it a pretty peaceful time in the Navy? Um, Thankfully, on that posting, I didn't see um, combat. Um, We just had a lot of fun kind of trips overseas to different countries, which was great. But um, yeah, I did see, um, I did go over and served in the Middle East over in um, Afghanistan in 2012 and 2013. Oh, wow. And what is the experience for the Navy in Afghanistan? Is How does that work? Um, so I did a bit of an out of category posting. So I actually posted over there with um, an army contingent hmm. and, and worked there. So I was one of, I think, three Navy people that went on that deployment. So it was a bit a bit out there i know i'm not australian like we, but i feel like we should still say thank you for your service because that's probably super scary yeah, totally thank um, you I, I, yeah. I know i'm not capable of doing something like that i would cower I feel in fear. like we have such a horrible like conception here in this country of like what is going on in the world like when it comes to our own troops but we at least have like this kind of like spirit of like, well, we have to support the troops, but I feel like very few Americans ever think about like how it really is a team effort. Um, But we just kind of think of ourselves as like these lone cowboys. So yeah. Like a global effort. It's really interesting to hear your perspective and your experience uh, serving alongside, uh, well, serving in uh, the Australia Army and Navy, but also alongside many other uh, countries, militaries as well. Yeah, and everyone, every country is very different, but I guess at the end of the day, everyone has like a camaraderie of, you know, like we're all working towards the same thing. So, you know, there's a lot of mateship um, between countries, not just within, you know, our own military. Do other countries shout at you all like, Ozzy, 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 oi, 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 and you just shake your head like, no, I'm not going to do that back? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think the Aussie way would be just to shout it back. So awesome. That's what I like to hear. Um, Well, that is a very spooky story. And and I'm glad you brought up ships. I feel like I often forget that that's kind of an iconic haunted location. We hear it from time to time. 
on the podcast, but it's usually um, it's usually that ship in California. I feel like we hear about the the oh yeah, the Queen Mary or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've heard about the Queen Mary a couple of times, but it's rare that I feel like we've heard from somebody who was actually stationed on a a you know a large vessel that experienced um, ghost stories or not ghost stories, but experienced a paranormal experience. So you had those experiences on the boat. I know you also uh, had some experiences in a haunted home. Is that correct? Yes. So that was that was actually the main the main story that I wanted to talk to you about. So um, back in two thousand and eleven, I moved into a a home with a couple of girlfriends of mine, and it was a bit of a share house, and. It was probably the most terrifying year of living anywhere that I have and wish to ever experience. Because of the hauntings? Yeah, because of the hauntings. Oh, wow. And that's after being on a haunted boat and stationed in Afghanistan. So that's that's high haunting praise, I feel like. Yeah, I, think, I feel like it's a bit different because, I mean, the stuff that happened on the ship, like ultimately you know, when you weren't at sea or you weren't whatever, you could go home. But when this is now happening in your home, like the place where you, you know, you you live, like you, you want to chill out, like you want to sleep at night, like when all of this kind of stuff is going on, it's, yeah, it's just really hard to feel settled or relaxed or to actually even want to be there. For sure. Well, we'd love to um, hear all about it. Yeah. So I guess um, I'll set the scene. This house, it <laughs> always need to set the scene. Um, so this house was a really large house. So I'm talking five bedrooms, three bathrooms, two separate living areas, two separate kitchen areas, and um, and double story. So really large house, really old house. I've actually tried to do some research and I can't find the date that it was built, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was probably somewhere in the 70s, like the early 70s or 80s. Um, So I moved into this house initially with two of my girlfriends and I was actually the first one to arrive at the house on the day of moving in. So I thought I'll get there. I'll get all my stuff there, I'll unpack, I'll settle in. And then when the girls start moving in, I can, you know, help them. We'll just make it really smooth and easy. So I roll up to the house, I've picked up the keys and I've pulled up in the driveway and I've just looked up into the second story window and I've just had this overwhelming feeling of like, this is wrong, like you should not be here which is not really great considering that, you know, this is the first day and we're moving in. So I've kind of, I put that feeling to to the side and I've gone in and, you know, I've done the preliminary walk around, chosen my room and I've started to move my stuff in. Everything's going really well, um, you know, and suddenly it's nighttime. I'm still there. I'm still on my own. Um, it's starting to get dark and I guess as the darkness came I just had again like this really overwhelming feeling of you don't want to be here while it's dark and you don't want to be here on your own and I just couldn't shake the feeling so I ended up walking across the road and I sat on the corner um, on a park bench and basically just waited for three and a half hours until the next girl finished work and rolled in with her first carload of stuff 
Um, I didn't say anything to her. Um, I did want to ask you, because you, you keep mentioning like you had these feelings and sensations. Is that something that has happened to you throughout your entire life where you've had these kind of occurrences within yourself where you felt like, hey, this isn't safe. I shouldn't be here. Or, you, you know, like, have you gotten those kind of vibes your entire life? Um, at that time, I would have said no. But the more that I think about it now, I think that, yeah, I always have had I guess like a little bit of an intuition that I guess has kind of been there that I've listened to or haven't listened to and it hasn't really gone well, but. That's the word I was trying to think and instead I just stuttered and came up with vibes. So I appreciate you pulling out intuition. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so basically the second girl came, um, I didn't want to mention anything to her. Um, I think she just thought that I was a bit weird because I was sitting on the corner Um and she came and we started unpacking stuff into the house. And I guess maybe having the second person there made things feel a bit better because I kind of tried to put it to the back of my mind and just kind of ignored it. Um, so her and I lived there for probably the next two or three days um, on our own until the third girl moved in. And that is kind of when um, all the feelings came back and everything started to happen. So the third girl moved in um, by that stage, the other two of us were already fully unpacked and settled. Um, so we've helped her move her stuff and she's decided, so myself and the second girl, we've moved downstairs. The third girl has decided that she's going to take the complete upstairs on her own. So we've helped her move in. She's set up her room, everything like that. Everything's fun. Everyone's getting along. It's really happy. And then we decide to go to bed. So all that I remember is that I was asleep in my bed and then I woke up to the third girl um, creeping into my room, like jumping in my bed and I looked at her and was like, what's going on? And she's turned my, my bedside lamp on and she said, I need to sleep with you tonight. I do not want to talk about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow when we're out of the house. And I just went, yeah, okay, no worries. Like there's clearly something going on and we've gone to sleep. I'm waking up the next morning. I've said to her what went on last night. She said, I still don't want to talk about it. I'll tell you on the way to work. So we're driving to work and then she's just dropped this bombshell and said to me, so I was in bed last night. Um, I felt something touch my feet and I've opened my eyes and they're standing at the end of my bed is a tall, dark figure. And she said, I have just gotten up and just bolted. I've just bolted downstairs straight into your room. And now we're here. Do you know, had she ever seen shadow people before? Or was that the first time? So this wasn't actually a shadow person. She was oh. saying that it was a full apparition of what she believed was a man. And she felt that man touch her feet too, right? Yes. Yeah. She Ooh. said she felt like he was kind of tweaking like her toes. Oh, oh, that's so creepy. A ghost with a foot fetish. That's what that I'm is. Talking. That is a pervy <laughs> ghost in your house. Um, yeah. So anyway, she said, I didn't want to talk about it in the house. Um, just in case like it wasn't my imagination like I don't want to give it any you know kind of additional you know time that we're talking about it because she 
she was under the belief at the time that, you know, if you were to see something that was a bit supernatural and you were to talk about it, you were going to give it energy and therefore give it more power, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just like whereas, Santa Claus. Yeah, whereas I was a bit the opposite, which is kind of, I think, was our undoing. So, um, so for the next three months, this is no word of a lie, for the next three months, she slept in my bed every night with the lamp on, refused to sleep in her own bed because the you know the second and third time that she'd tried it was the same business like she'd woken up in the middle of the night um this male figure was sitting at standing at the end of the bed and she just had this she reckoned she had this overwhelming feeling of just that it didn't want her to be there so yeah so we ended up sharing a bed for three months um and she just said that for some reason, whenever she was in my room and whenever she was sleeping with me, she just felt safe and like whatever it was couldn't come in my room. It couldn't, I guess, like broach my personal space. Do you know if she ever suffered from night terrors? No, she didn't. I don't believe hmm. she didn't. But I do believe that she said um, over the years she had experienced weird things in her room at different places that she's lived um especially when she slept in the dark I guess hence like the sleeping with me and sleeping with the lamp on is this somebody you knew you're like for a long time or somebody you met there or no so she was my um she was my best friend at the time and we had actually served on that same creepy ship as well so we've yeah we'd been friends for uh, probably going on close to I'm gonna say close to like eight years and I guess she was someone who tended to believe in the supernatural then if she had all these experiences would you say yeah she did believe in it and um, I know that her mum had had a few experiences her mum is English and I know that they'd had quite a few weird experiences growing up in the house that her and her siblings had lived in so um, I don't think there was any sort of, you know, they felt like they had any sort of like special power or whatever, but I know that they had experienced supernatural for themselves. So it was, I guess, like a bit of a generational thing. Hmm. That's really creepy. And were you all able to vanquish this ghost or did he just hang out with you all? No. So the story goes on. So she's now, um, she's now sleeping with me every night and um I'm still having these weird feelings of, you know, not the fact that we're not meant to be in the house and that there's something in this upstairs bedroom that was just not right. Um, the bedroom that I said that I looked up to when I first got to the house. So, um, so the three of us girls are living there and I guess like once the third girl was kind of like in my bed, we were kind of, having like myself and the second girl we were having this bit of a joke we were just like oh the house is haunted oh there's something in the house oh you know like he's obviously liking like the third girl um maybe he's got a bit of a crush on her and then we've made the mistake of naming him so we were going oh you know George like you know you got a bit of a crush oh George like you know you shouldn't creep up on her like that you should just be nice maybe you wouldn't scare her out of her room and that's when everything just escalated so so do you feel like there is something to naming a ghost because jj and i have heard that over and over like don't name the ghost don't name the ghost yeah yeah at the time no at the time we thought we were being really cheeky and like a bit funny but 
as I've, you know, listened to different people and even listened to your podcast and the consensus seems to be don't name them. Yeah, the ghost, it sounds like, did not appreciate the cheekiness at all. No, he did not. And that's when he started to, I guess, play some tricks on us. So this is when the light flickering started to happen. Um, you'd be sitting downstairs on the couch and you would hear upstairs like a like footsteps walking upstairs. Um, you would hear what sounded like doors opening and closing and drawers being open and closed, even though all three of us would be downstairs together watching TV or like in the kitchen. Now, JJ, I would have to believe that if you experienced that, would that be enough to tip the scale for you? Oh, I mean, I would probably be at like an eight or a nine, yeah, possibly. If I experienced that firsthand, um, yeah, that would that would freak me out. What do you sure. think George would do if when he was messing with your feet, if you just were like, no, keep keep going? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like nobody ever does that. I don't to know. The ghost. I feel like that's a, a great um, uh, conflict strategy is flipping the script, right? Yeah, so, but I've, power I've never heard of it being applied to ghosts. So It's like, I don't think you'd really want to ask just in case. <laughs> Next thing you know, your foot flies across the room. <laughs> You're like, well, <laughs> yeah, that went well. Um, yeah, that reminds me of like, did, did y'all ever watch those uh, awful scary movies? I think MTV used to produce them. I mean, I've watched so many awful scary movies. No, no, I, I think that were they, were they called about. like Scary Movie One, Scary Movie Two? It was like the Wayans oh, Brothers. Oh, yeah, the like parody movies. Yeah, yeah, that's like something you would see in that, you know, where they try to uh, egg the ghost on, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, that is super freaky, Sarah. So, uh, so you had all this stuff going on that was rather like poltergeist like i guess with with things opening and closing and noises did you ever yourself feel attacked by the ghosts or was it primarily towards the other girls um yeah so more to this story like it, it continues to deepen um so for me um in my space the bedroom that i'd picked just had this really nice feeling and people would often come to the house and say like your house has got this really weird vibe to it like it has a really like just almost like you're intruding on someone else's kind of space until they would you know because you kind of have people over and you give them like the grand tour of the house and then people would come to my bedroom and they would say like your bedroom just feels very light and very airy and very welcoming and just completely different to how the rest of the house feels. Um, so I always felt really safe, um, really felt safe in my bedroom. The things that I kind of experienced would always be in the other areas of the house. So um, a big one for me personally was I would always feel really uncomfortable using the bathroom, especially showering. I would always feel like um, whatever was in the house was like watching you and um, was just being really intrusive, like of your personal space. And it became like a really common thing to say to him or it or whatever it was, like, I'm going in there, I'm having a shower or I'm using the bathroom. This is not your space. It's not appropriate for you to be in here. Like you need to give me privacy. Um, like you just need to leave me alone. 
And that became like a really common thing for me to say every time I went to the bathroom, um, unless you know, one of the girls was home and they would often come and like sit on the toilet while you would have a shower just so that you wouldn't have to be in there on your own. So things really escalated for you all. I mean, it sounds like everybody there really bought into the idea that yes, this house is haunted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was other things um, that went on. So like the girl that had had the figure at the end of her bed, I remember one day we were in the kitchen and she was washing dishes in the sink. And I, I was standing probably about two meters behind her, just looking at her from behind. And I watched her whole body just tense up, just really tense. And almost like you could see the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. And she just went dead silent. And I was like, what's going on? Like, are you okay? And she just started to, I guess, like whimper almost and I kind of like approached her and I put my hand on her shoulder and I was like what is going on like are you okay and then it's like she's come out of it and she's turned to me and said he was touching me whatever it was was touching me he was touching my shoulder and it wasn't until you came and put your hand on me that he's kind of stopped or he's kind of moved away oh my gosh so I guess that's when things really started to like, again, like escalate in the house. And she was awake the whole time that um, like she felt this presence touching her. Yeah. She was just washing the dishes Oof. and I was just standing there talking to her, like, you know, kind of as you do. It sounds like this ghost was uh, kind of afraid of you. Did you ever get that impression? Um, no, I think it was more like we kind of got the feeling that he was specifically preying on her and mm. that when we kind of came and I guess like intervened that it was, he wasn't having his fun when, you know, I guess there was someone else there to kind of support her, if that makes sense. Did you all ever reach out to like a medium or a priest to bless the home? Yeah. So I'll, I'll get to that shortly. Um, so I guess the next thing that happened was the, um, the second girl that was living there, she ended up moving out. So at the time, uh, she just said that she was moving out because she wanted to, you know, she wanted to do something else, you know, whatever. But, um, a, quite a, a time later, we found out that she ended up leaving because she was really uncomfortable and she didn't want to leave. She didn't want to live there anymore. But for myself and the third girl, we were kind of stuck there because it was our names on the lease. So we didn't, we didn't really have a choice. So um, after she moved out, it was just the two of us. And I think that's when things really kind of like escalated. Mm. Um, the, the third girl ended up getting a boyfriend. So she would often um, spend, she started spending like a lot of time away from the house, a lot of time at his house, which I kind of understood um, because she was feeling really uncomfortable there and, you know, I guess if you had a safer place to go, like, why wouldn't you want to go there? Sure. Um, and in like in turn, it kind of left me there alone, like a lot of the time. But um, that girl also had a dog. So thankfully for me, like I had company, I would have the dog come and sleep on my bed all the time, which was, which was really good. But um, when things really escalated, um, one time she I thought that she was at home and I got woken up in the middle of the night. I got woken up, a dog got woken up and all I could hear was like static, like really loud static, like from the TV. And 
I've kind of like gotten out of bed. I've gotten the dog up. Um, I've kind of like thrown my door open, had a, you know, you kind of have a bit of a look. And then as I've kind of transited through the house, I've started like flicking lights on everywhere um, because, you know, you don't want to be in the dark. No one ever wanted to be in the dark in that house. And as I've come up to the lounge room, I've seen that the TV is on and it was just playing like static, but up like really, really loud, really loud, like ridiculously loud. And all the lights were on, on that other end of the house and like on the way to go upstairs. And I just thought, oh, she's come home. Maybe she'd had a few drinks or, you know, whatever. And she's come home drunk and she's just like, you know, been a bit of a terror, turn the lights on, turn the TV on and just like gone to her room and passed out because by this stage she would actually sleep in that room but only if her boyfriend would stay the night because for some reason this male energy, like whatever he was in the house, would disappear whenever we had like male company stay in the house, um, which was another thing that was really weird. And um, so I've turned the lights on, turned the lights off, sorry, turned the TV off, but there was no way that I was going upstairs. I was like, I'm not going up there. That is not happening. And I've gone back to my room and gone to sleep. I've sent her a message as soon as I've gotten to my back to my bed going like, hey, mate, you know, do you think maybe you could be a bit more respectful of, you know, the fact that there's someone else in the house and that, you know, I'm trying to sleep and I've got work tomorrow and maybe not turn the, you know, the lights on and the TV on and, you know, all that kind of business. And she's responded to me literally like straight away and she's gone, I'm not in the house. Oh, gosh. I've stayed the night at the boyfriend's house. What is going on? And All she, right, now, how yeah. do you know that's not just a cop-out because she didn't want to own up to having the TV and the lights on? Um, because I feel like, yeah, I feel like if she'd come home, like the dog probably would have wanted to, like, leave and go out there and find her. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I mean, the next morning, like, I've just thought, I'm not dealing with this. I've gone to sleep. The next morning I've gotten up and I've gone up there, gone to have a look. The lights are still on. Her bed's perfectly made. She's not home, so. Do you worry that it was an intruder? I mean, that's, like, a pretty scary thing. Um, by that stage, we'd had enough kind of, like, footsteps and lights going on and off and all that kind of stuff that straight away I was just like, yeah, obviously it's George, old mate, like, having a bit of a, having a, bit of a joke with me. A bit um, of a go. Yeah, having a bit of a go. Um, so there was that story. Um, another one that I experienced a while later was um, coming home from work, being the only person in the house, putting my house keys on the kitchen bench, going outside, doing whatever, seeing the dog, coming back inside about 10 minutes later and my keys have disappeared. Wow. So I've started looking for these keys everywhere Um housemates come home she started helping me look for the keys we cannot find these keys anywhere I'm telling her like I put them on the bench that's where I've left them you know there was no one else at home only to find later on that night still haven't found the keys going to bed I pulled back the covers of my bed and there are my keys dead center in the middle of my bed under the the quilt under the sheet and there's no way you could have put them there, right? No, there's there's no way. Like I came home and I put them on the kitchen bench in the exact you, same spot. Are you someone who like pretty rarely loses things like their keys? Yeah, I would probably say that like I am probably um, like I, I do suffer from anxiety a bit. So 
Um, I do have like a bit of mild like OCD, especially with, um, you know, making sure that I have like keys and phone and, you know, where I put things. So yeah, yeah that it would be very rare for me to misplace something. Well, on this podcast, we have somebody who is notorious for losing their keys. JJ, have you ever found your keys um, under your bed quilt? Oh, yeah. But that's probably because I just threw them there. I mean, I am the worst. I'm like so the opposite of OCD. I'm probably ADHD, um, honestly, because I lose my keys and my phone and my wallet and my glasses like every day. So Yeah, I tend to just like throw things wherever they are. Like yeah. it, it, my wife has had to train me over the years that things have a home. And if you keep them in their home, they'll always be there. If I yeah. had a ghost that was like haunting me by uh, moving my things around so I couldn't find it, like it would just never work on me because I'd always <laughs> just assume like, oh, my dumb ass, like put my phone in the freezer again. So I did one night. This is really, I mean, it's embarrassing to me, but like one night I, uh, we had eaten like chicken or whatever. And instead of putting the leftovers in the refrigerator, I just straight up put them in the cabinet and went to bed. And the next day my wife was like, um, well, I guess this isn't probably good to eat anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, the chicken's in the like cabinet. And I was like, yep, that's, that's on me. I'll take that one. I haven't done that exact thing, but I've, yeah, I've definitely like done pretty much that exact thing. However, peanut butter accidentally going in the fridge a happy accident tastes really good i recommend it Mm -hmm. Hmm. wouldn't it be too hard like wouldn't putting it in the fridge make it too hard to eat that's what i would think yeah it's not um it's not too hard to eat it is definitely harder it just tastes more like a dessert i guess if that makes Mm. sense um but anyway you (laughs) real haunters you can try it out and let us know at real hauntings podcast at gmail.com that was another ghost hunting that went wrong. It's like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to put his peanut butter in the fridge. I was just like, hmm, thank you. Okay, I have derailed this podcast. So, Sarah, you lost your keys. And then what happened next? Um, yeah, so we found them. Um, we found them in the bed. And then, you know, I was kind of like, okay, things are starting to get a bit ridiculous now. Um, now he's clearly, or whatever it is, is clearly like came into my room. Um, you know, we need to do something about this because we are like terrified living in this house and we have to live here basically until the 12 month lease is up. So, you know, I I guess it's like time for action. Um, So we like did a bit of a a search in our area and we found, um, I guess, one of those shops that sells crystals and stuff like that, that was advertising, um, you know, I guess like readings with a um like someone that's like clairvoyant medium like I'm not really sure but at the time we were just kind of desperate to have any sort of like resolution or just something to make living there like less terrifying or um you know a bit more livable so so we booked an appointment and myself and this girl went to went to this appointment and basically we sat down and we um sat down with this woman and we said, you know, we're here because um, we've had a few things going on that are a bit unexplainable and a bit terrifying. And like, this is no word of a lie. She looked us like deadpan in the face and went, you need to stop calling him names. He doesn't like it. Oh, dang. And you hadn't told him that you were calling him George, right? No, all that we'd said is that 
we didn't even say like that it was a haunted house or anything. We just said that we were just having some unexplainable things going on that were terrifying and that we just needed like some guidance. And that was the response that we got. And did you see a difference after that meeting with the medium? Um, so she said her recommendation was to go home and um, was to go home and to basically try and apologize and just kind of say like, look, we both uh, like the three of us clearly have to live here together. Um, so, you know, we need some sort of resolution. Like we're sorry for calling you names. We're sorry if that's upsetting you, but we kind of all need to live here together. Um, so, you know, how about we'll stay downstairs and you can have the whole upstairs and we'll just leave you alone if you leave us alone. So that's pretty much what we did. And then for another like period of time, the house was still terrifying, still um, hearing all the footsteps upstairs and the doors like closing and the, um, you know, the drawers opening and closing but by that stage that girl had now moved downstairs with me so we had basically given him like the whole run of the top half of the house and things for a while were um like I guess as pleasant as they could be and she was able to start sleeping on her own like in her room um and we'd have really minimal stuff happen downstairs like I think once or twice after that she was in her room and like a cupboard just swung open and closed uh, and we just, she just said to him, look, like we've had the discussion. Um, we both got to live here. I'm scared of you. Can you just go upstairs and like leave me alone? And then it would be fine for a period. Um, but definitely all of the, um, the noises would just stay upstairs and the dog would often sit at the bottom of the stairs and just kind of like stare up at the stairs and just like low growl or like hairs stand up on the back of her neck. So Oof. that's, yeah, where we kind of were like, okay, well, clearly um, this chat has gone okay and he's sticking to his area and we're just going to stick to our area and try to coexist. Well, I'm guessing at the end of that lease, y'all got out of there. Yeah, so just before, just before we left, um, I got talking to this girl that I worked with. Um, she was like an older woman and I told her about all the things that had been going on like in our house because by that stage talking about it like outside of the house, it had become a bit of a joke like, you know, we're saying oh, we live in this terrifying haunted house that we can't leave because we've got a lease. Like it's really scary. Like these are all the things that have happened, um, you know, and people would often want to come over and like have a look and we'd be like, no, like we don't want visitors because we don't want to annoy him. Like we're finally coexisting. And this woman said to me, she's like, I would love to come and have a look before you move out. She's like, I've always had a bit of a, like an affinity with things that are like otherworldly or um, supernatural. And she's like, I have often seen things myself growing up and I have seen, um, you know, people that have passed and stuff like that. And she said, I don't want to come and um, like stir anything up, but I'd just like to come and basically sit there and just kind of like gauge a feel for the place. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, that can't hurt. Like we're moving out in a month. So, um, you know, come over. And oh, anyway, I would have waited to like the last day. The day of <laughs> yeah. Come help us pack and just see if you see any ghosts. <laughs> 
Um, well, we ended up choosing like a day for her to come over and um, she's come over and she's basically called me on the phone and I'm like, oh, do you need directions? And she's like, no, I'm, I'm out the front of your house. I'm sitting in the driveway. She's like, um, I'm just staring up at this window. She's like, there is definitely something in that room. And I guess I just have had a moment of clarity where I was just like, yes, like this has not all been like, you know, in my head, like someone else has seen it, felt it. The same way you did when you, when you pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. So I've gone out to get her and I basically brought her inside the house and she sat on the couch and she's just kind of like looking around like the room and she's looked straight up at the stairs and she's gone, yeah, it's definitely him. It's definitely like an adult male. She's like the top of the house is definitely his. She goes and I get the feeling that he didn't like the fact that you guys were like someone had tried to live up there and kind of like approach in his, like his space. And, um, and then we were sitting on the couch and we were still just like having a chat. And then she's like, he's come downstairs. Like she goes, I've got the feeling like he's standing right behind me. Um, like he's letting me know that, that he's here. Um, she's like, and I also get the feeling that he is not, um, he's not friendly. Like he's not nice. Um, she goes, and he definitely doesn't want you guys here. He's basically just been tolerating you. And, um, and she goes, I also get the feeling that he doesn't like dogs either. And that's why the dog has been behaving like the way that it has. She goes, I get the feeling that he might've been someone that may have like been known to kick dogs, um, when he was still, you know, I guess in the land of the living. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a, a, a real jerk. Yeah. And, um, and it was just funny because we, we ended up moving out of the house a month later and, um, I just remember standing in the driveway and looking back up at the house, like after we'd locked the doors and we were leaving and I just had this feeling of like absolute relief, just a feeling of like all the unsettled, like unsettledness was gone. Um, and I just felt for the first time in 12 months that I was okay. And we drove straight over to the new place, which was like a small two bedroom unit that um, I was going to be renting on my own. And I just remember walking into this house with um, my old housemate and just looking around and the feeling inside this unit was just overwhelming of like peace and like quiet and like tranquility. And it was like, this is what a home is meant to feel like, not what you've experienced the last 12 months. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's a, that's a really captivating haunted home ghost experience. That was, that was it's, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And heavy. to have so much validation too, from like your roommates and the medium and your friend who came over and even your dog, <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty unusual for, uh, you know, someone to have a story where like that many people also sensed it. Yeah, it's um, it's quite like it is quite a, a full on story now that I think about it. And um, and probably about a week ago, um, I went for a drive past the same house, and I remember like I was just looking at it and I was just thinking like this house still gives me like the heebie-jeebies even after like all this time. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, 
the feeling was still there. How bad did you want to ask the current residents, like, is George there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably would have thought I was nuts if I'd knocked on the door and gone, oh, hey, um, I, I lived here, like, you know, back in 2011. The place was terrifying, by the way, like, just, just in case, you know, you weren't aware. The, yeah, that, I don't know. That's so scary. Uh, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. Well, we're coming up on our hour before we get you out of here. Is there anything you wanted to promote any social media or projects you have going on? Um, no, no, just me <laughs> living my best life. Um, yeah. Well, um, is there an episode that has been your favorite so far? Um, I have two actually. So, um, the episode with Kelsey was one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. and also the episode um with the haunted doll like that was right up my oh, alley yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah those that, that was a lot of fun uh, would you want a, a haunted doll um well i've always been terrified of that kind of stuff like yeah. absolutely terrified like the conjuring movies absolutely terrified me but for some reason when i saw like heard the episode with the haunted doll and then i started watching her videos on tiktok um i'm so intrigued like right. i would you and everybody be, else apparently because she's got like four million followers now yeah like i would i think i would be up to like meet that doll and i don't think that i would be scared for some reason like i don't know i think yeah. just i don't know the way that they are together and the interaction and the way that she portrays her it's doesn't have like this really terrifying feeling to it yeah it's kind of like a a friendly ghost yeah. Yeah. Own little Casper. And with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm JJ. And I'm Sarah. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Wait, wait, wait. Awesome. Right on cue. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.